Welcome to Inspired by Her, the podcast that will give you the inspiration, motivation, and tips for success from some of the top executives, CEOs, and influencers from around the globe. With your host, serial entrepreneur and named one of the most influential Filipina in the world, Kate Hancock. And we are live. Hi, everyone. This is Kate. And today it's going to be a different <laughs> setup, right, Wendy? Yes, we're turning the tables. I'm so excited. Yeah, um, you guys have no clue. I have to go to, um, I'm actually very nervous. It's actually so much better when you ask questions to other people. But if it's you being asked, it's definitely nerve wracking. And I still have that in me. That's actually, I love that you actually still get nervous because you've spoken in front of huge groups and you've done so many things. I think it's I don't know. It's just like very humbling that you still get nervous and that whole thing. What do you think that's about? <laughs> yeah. People still ask me, like, do you still get nervous? Like, yeah, I still do. But I think once you're in that moment, then you forgot about it. Okay. So here's the first question. So being an entrepreneur, we're always nervous when we do the first thing. So what gets you to actually do it, like overcome your nervousness to say, who cares? I'm nervous. I'm just going to go for it. And not just today I'm talking about just in general, in general, I've been like running a business or it just in general, running a business, you've done public speaking, which scares everybody. Like, so what gets you over that nervous hump to say, okay, Kate, you're just nervous, but you're still going ahead. Yeah. I think when, when it comes to public speaking, I try not to look at people in the eye. I just pretend I'm just talking to one person. And when I'm there, I just like, I don't really look at them. They're all like coconut husk head. <laughs> and <laughs> so, a bunch of coconuts. Yes. yes that's not what I imagine. Because every time you look at, it happened to me when I look up one, you know, I accidentally look up one person in the eye and I got distracted and I don't want to do that. So, okay. That's so my who- technique. That's, that's a good technique. So one of the reasons I really wanted to turn the table, because I know a little bit about your story and your journey, and it's really unique. So I was thinking we would really start at the beginning and take me back to when you were a little girl, paint that picture of what that looked like, and also paint a picture of what the expectations were of you within your family and culture. Like, what would people have thought they have this little girl that you would have turned into? What would have been typical? Yeah, well, I I grew up in a small island in the Philippines called Camigan, and we're very poor. Um, we didn't really have much, and I remember I couldn't really attend a lot of school activities because we can't afford any dance uniform, not part of the extra activities like the kids have here, because we really can't afford those um, things, and my mother would often tell me, I remember this one instant where I was in grade school. I think I was in grade six and I was, I was super active in a Girl Scout. Um, I was a, a really good Girl Scout and I was a <laughs> patrol leader and I love that. I love the structure. And um, my teacher told me like, you will be attending a good, uh, a big convention somewhere else. And that got me really excited. Like, Oh my God, I'm going to be going to a new place and I'm going to meet this new people. And I'm going to be a patrol leader with this other people that I don't know from other school. Right. I was so excited that she asked me to be a patrol leader. 
So I went and asked my mother and I said, can I go? And she said, no, you can't go. I said, what do you mean? It's like, we don't have money. And that's only, that's only for the rich kids. And I remember that feeling of really sore and disappointed of yourself. Like, what do you mean I can't go? So I think at that moment, I really promised myself that I don't want to live a life where I can't do anything because of money. And that was a big, um, and I still remember how it feels being, when someone tells you no, it's very hard, especially you're an entrepreneur. I mean, I know that now, but it was a very um, difficult time, but it really forces me to be hungry and dream big. I think that was, that was a really good um, point in my life. So what happened to the other girls in your community? Like, let's say that was your story when you were in sixth grade. What was the future really for most of the other kids? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Majority, it, it's such a small island. People would just be married and stay in the island or they work in a government. There's not really a private companies that would hire you so your chances of getting a good job or high paying job it's not there so success and would have looked for your family like you would have found a husband you would have had kids maybe mm-hmm. you've been like an assistant to somebody that would have been like a successful life for what your culture was right yes 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 so um, with that as a backdrop can you just tell the audience who doesn't know your story of the big milestones that you've had in your life, you know, what your entrepreneurial journey has looked like? Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a family business. Uh, my, my grandmother has a secret recipe and my aunt actually innovated. And so I was part of that family that we all worked together and I was 10 and 12. I started working really early And I'm not saying like work just a little bit here and there, like hours and hours and hours of work. I have to wash a hundred pieces of molds that pastries every day. And I remember my hand because I have a very sensitive skin and my hand just couldn't handle the, the, um, the detergent and it would peel and I could see the rawness of my, my hand. And I would complain to my mother, but I really have no option. She said, like, well, this is what we're meant to do. We have to work. And so I learned at an early age that I can't really complain. So I just have to do it. And I hated it at that moment because I can't really play with my schoolmates. I, I didn't have much of a time to hang out with my friends at school because I really have to work we really have to force to work even in like we have a special event in the island where everyone hang out and party right you would wish you could do that mm-hmm. we can't because the you know a lot of people order that that pastry as a present to people so we're like busier during the busier time and that means we can't even go out Yeah. So I grew up, my life was like that and I hated it. I I wasn't happy about it. There are times I really wanted to read a book or just do what teenagers do, but I, I can't, I really can't. 
And I guess that hungry stayed with me that I really don't want a life where I don't have that much option to do things. Mm -hmm. And I think that was such a, a driving force for me to figure out something. But when I was in college, I started selling cell phone, like use cell phone. That was that your business, the cell phone? Yeah, I was, so I would buy old cell phone. It was an IKEA 5110. I would fix it, change, uh, change the pack. I mean, the, the cases and I would sell it to my uncle and family and I would make a little bit of profit or I would sell, I would buy products in the city like t-shirt and I would because they were on sale there I would sell it the retail price so I started doing that when I was in college and I guess that was the start of my entrepreneurial journey okay so that was your first little business the cell phone thing and the t-shirts and then what tell us what happened after that okay so I moved in the U.S. I was actually working different job in the U.S. at first I work at Macy's I work at the cosmetic store, I was making minimum wage and I was really good at selling. I could sell a lot of credit cards to a lot of people like the star rewards. I would like, I would break the records of the highest. Um, like when people come in and you say, Hey, do you want a Macy's? Yeah. Do you want a Macy's? <laughs> I, I'm so dangerous. I said, don't come me. Cause I'm going to sell you that your wife's going to hate you. Yeah, so um, it w- selling is very easy for me, I guess, maybe because I was friendly. Yeah, and so what's your, what's your trick? Because so many people like hate being sold to. So what was your trick in terms of getting people to sign up? Because that's obviously been an impetus for a lot of things you've done. I think I'm very good at building rapport. I think I'm very good at building rapport and I'm always genuine. And it was just so easy with me. to to close the sale yeah so okay so then you did that I did that and eventually I was doing all kinds of job I would work at Walmart giving samples I would work at Costco handling marketing materials I do a lot of road shows and so my my thing is I really just wanted to learn I I did different job I would do wine tasting at night I love those wine tasting they pay you well like 25 bucks an hour. And then you could take home the wine, even though I don't drink, but I would give it to my friends. <laughs> Are you not supposed to take it home? You're supposed to dump it. Yeah. That's the rule, but I would take it home. Um, so all those little jobs, it made me so, I mean, it, I got all excited. And I remember I would change uniform in my car because I would work in the morning. I would do sampling maybe at Walmart. And then noon, I have to work in my cosmetic jobs. I was a freelance makeup artist in the evening. I would do wine sampling. So I would do three or four different jobs in a day. So I'm really good at maximizing my time. Mm-hmm. And you know where I get that is from my grandmother. Every time, yeah. So when I was very young, my, my grandmother would say like, okay, I would finish the task that she would give me so I could do read a book. Well, she would caught me in my room hiding, reading a book, said, what the heck are you doing? You have to do the other things. I was like, what? So she won't let me rest. She want me to give me other tasks. So I think I thought that, you know, that's what you have to do every day, like maximizing your time, doing so many things at one time. 
in a whole day being productive. Pretty interesting. And do you still see yourself like that? Because I see you like that, but do you still see yourself like that? Yes. <laughs> it drives me crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it drives me crazy. And I remember, and when I was 12 too, we had this contest in the house because I was living with my cousin. So whoever would do the work, we will get one point. It's like whoever can do the household work, like cleaning, cleaning the living room or watering the plants, or that's one point, like washing the dishes. You know what I would do? I would get up five o'clock in the morning. I was 12. I would do the kitchen, the flowering. So I would get all the points. I'm very competitive at very early age. So I got all these points and my cousins were like a little bit of points. That's so interesting. So what would you say? So I don't, does money drive you or is it something else? Like what? No, I think winning drives me. Yeah. The competition thing. The competition thing. Yeah. It's just, it's something that I achieve something is really, you know, that's what motivates me. Something that I accomplish that motivates me. So with the, with the winning, is it winning against other competitors in your marketplace? So for example, I know like your facial center, the OC facial center, was it beating and being the best facial center and having the most accolades for that versus the other ones? Or was it just beating yourself and what you had accomplished? Like who are you, who are you beating? Who are you fighting against? I, you know, I guess I just want to be the best of everything that I do. And I don't really look at other competitors, but I just want to like do my research and figure it out, you know, how to be the best. And yeah. And it, I, probably I would only stop when I see like, okay, like, I don't know what would stop me, but I just always, the fact that I wanted to be the top out there has always been my driving force. Okay. Which brings me to the fact that you have this new podcast and I was so not surprised to see, like, you started, like, five minutes ago, and already you're on some top podcast list, which is just, like, so classic for you, right? Like, everyone has a podcast, and of course, Kate's gets on the top podcast list, like, right away. So tell me a little bit about this podcast, and what um, made you decide to start it, and what are you hoping to achieve with it? Well, at first, I mean, Dan actually has been talking to me to do this, and her husband, my husband, my dad is, he's, and it was the very beginning of this quarantine and like, oh my God, what I'm going to do, I'm going to be bored. I, I, again, that maximizing my time, I have to do something productive. So I started this podcast, not knowing really what to do. I remember my first interview was really dark and I don't know what the heck I was doing. I just went with it, right? You know what? If they like it, they don't, if they like it. I'll just figure it out. I'm sure I'm going to be good at yeah. At one point. Yeah. So I guess that thing of like, you just do it and don't look back. And so what are you hoping to achieve with this? Are you hoping it goes on beyond the time we get out of our quarantine? Like what, what would be your goal with this? And what have you learned doing this? Okay. You know, what's amazing is I didn't think of this platform to be this inspirational and I'm getting, getting email and messages from people that listen to this one and they're giving me thank you or like thank you for making me shine or I'm really inspired by these people and thank you for doing this like I said I didn't think of this as something that bigger than I thought it would be so my goal is really to highlight 
women and their stories and focusing into challenges for people to learn how they did it. So that was just my why. Mm -hmm. But now I'm seeing messages or friends and family really enjoying it. And I think it, it was, it, it's really gratifying that we're doing something that really inspiring people. So one thing I thought about with you is like, let's say I just was in the supermarket and like mm -hmm. I saw you, right? I would think, okay, here's this beautiful young woman and you know, you're really friendly and you're really smiley. It would never have occurred to me all the successes that you've built up. Um, and I always think of like the cover of Ink Magazine, like how many times on the cover of Ink Magazine is like the 25 year old good looking guy, right? Um, I would, some women get on there now and, um, but I feel like the ratio is still really um, not in balance. And there are so many incredible women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, what do you really see that's different how women approach business compared to men maybe? Hmm. If there's anything. Yeah, I think I think women are more well-rounded than male, but the problem what's stopping us is we're so perfectionist in nature. And even though we've achieved something, but we don't really talk about it. And that's a reality. It's a commonality of people that's guessing the podcast. No one really wanted to highlight success because everyone doesn't want to be braggy. And I think that's the problem too. Right. Yeah. But um, I have no, I mean, I feel like I actually less feminine than most uh, my friends. I'm actually very masculine in a way of thinking. Like I, I would have all guy friends growing up because I would blend in, in in the male environment than female. Because why? why do you, what do you see like is the differentiating factor I think maybe in my head like kids in my age they would just be catty or a complainer I think the the biggest one is they're just gonna be a complainer about something and I cannot stand when someone complains oh I can't go there because xyz right 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 where men are a little bit more fearless they don't really care as much what people think yes yes unless you find a group of women that are like into winning and then then that's more exciting right and so when you became an entrepreneur and you were starting to be surround yourself with other female entrepreneurs you and I are both involved in the women of EO group um did you kind of feel like before you had all these guy friends because now I see you have a lot of women friends as well like you felt like you had more people who understood you and vice versa yes it's nice to find your tribe that's exactly what it is yeah so let's talk. So um, one thing you and I have talked about before, which I think is really interesting. I think there's so many women entrepreneurs, not just women, just entrepreneurs out there who are just afraid. Like the only thing that's stopping them from achieving their dream is taking the first step. And the reason they're not taking the first step is because they're afraid. Something you and I have talked about is imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know what that is, it's basically, um, feeling like you're doing something and because you are not going back to the women in the perfectionist thing, right? Because we don't know how to do it perfectly yet um, that we feel like we're an imposter. Can you talk a little bit about that, what that feels like and how that's holding people back? Yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's, it's, I have it like 
before this podcast, like I don't want, I don't want friends to, to listen to me or watch this video. I even text Marguerite, which is my business coach. Can you not watch my interview? Cause I'm not going to be good enough. She's probably watching right now. I'm sure laughing, right? <laughs> yes. Like I really were like, you know, I told Dan, like, can you not do this live to my other page? Because I'm so embarrassed. Like I still have that. I don't know why I need to really break that. It's like, you, you feel like you're not just good enough. So do you think it's a, okay, so let me push you on this for a little bit. Uh-huh. Do you think it's because you don't think you're good enough or there was something been indoctrinated in us as women that we're not supposed to brag? Probably both. Yeah. Yeah. I think both. there's a lot of, uh, and there's so many studies on this, you know, where like the boys in school going, Ooh, getting called on, you know, but if the girl's doing that, it's like, okay, Susan, we've heard from you 10 times today. Like, give someone else a chance, right? Yeah. I think some of that has been stifled in us because people don't, like when I was growing up, that's really not what girls did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a little bit of that factor where people kind of try to put you in that box. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I have to give you an example. I love my husband so much, but sometimes he would tell me like, I'm going to apply this VP position or something. I was like, how did you think that you're qualified for the job? Like, yeah. I don't want to be mean. I love him so much, but I love how they shoot for the stars. Right. Yes. No, right. I agree. But I do think there's... um I do think that we as women are holding ourselves back to some extent and that we need to get over that. I know when we went to that Women of VO retreat, we heard that speaker talk about that, that it is a certain issue with not all women, but with some women. Mm-hmm. And um, we just kind of have to be conscious of it and not let us hold us back, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have to, I have to talk. I actually wanted to invite that the I think she's uh, her name is um, Valerie Young. I met her in uh, Portugal in a Women of EO event, and she's the expert for imposter syndrome. So I really want to know the psychology. She she did explain it there really well, but I want to know more about it. Yeah, I think that's an interesting. Would be an interesting thing to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about what's going on now in the business world. So now someone listens to this later. We're in the midst of COVID. Um, we're in the midst of quarantines. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people, Kate, whose businesses have really seemed like, I don't want to say destroyed, but are definitely yeah. frozen at the moment. Um, in your case, you own two businesses that were really affected by this. You owned a facial uh, center, which obviously you can't do that now. And you own a travel business. You own a hotel that's gorgeous. And obviously people aren't traveling right now. What do you see the business landscape looking like when we come out of this? Uh, it's going to be a whole new landscape. It's, we're we're, we're going to be operating in a whole new world. Like, can you imagine opening? It's going to be, everything will probably give me costly. A, just California law. If you open a salon, you need to have people like that gap of waiting because you have to close you know, change the whole sheets every time and do more cleaning. That's going to be costly payroll wise. And even the products that we need to sanitize to entertain the new, the next client. And I just experienced that 
few minutes before the the show, I was at a doctor's office and I was waiting there for an hour. I was freaking out. I don't feel really good waiting there with other people. Like uh, I want to get oh, out of right, here. Right, right. Yes. And it's going to be longer time consuming and it's going to cost us more money. And I think the the services will be expensive because that extra payroll of the waiting in more manpower to um, to operate will be something that we need to look into. Right. And now you're going to have a bunch of people who are afraid to spend money. I yes, think. I that's mean, for sure. I already feel like even like with me, it's really made me think a lot about like, where am I spending my money? Did I really need that? Mm-hmm. And obviously we're a consumer culture and we don't need a lot of people saying, Hey, I don't maybe need a facial or you could see my hair. Right. I mean, <laughs> Maybe I can go a few more months without getting my hair cut yeah. or whatever. Good. Yeah. Um, I think you sort of get some of that thinking and it's hard to overcome. And as a business owner, it's going to be really tricky, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in the travel agency, I mean, travel industry, it's probably not until next year. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be open up. Thank God my, um, my location, I mean, my business is, it's not a big building. It's a cura- it's just a spread out tiki. Then you have your own privacy. Then people right. would feel comfortable because they have their own entrance and you're not really, can you imagine going the hallway with a lot of people that would freak you out? Right. Yeah. So not until we'll have a vaccine, then, then people will be comfortable, um, be spending and going out, but it's going to take a long, it's going to be a long road right yeah did you read that book that was really popular a while ago the um who moved my cheese it's like one of the yeah things. Mm-hmm. so looking at you and looking at a lot of the other entrepreneurs that we know I feel like we're the mice in the cheese thing and for people who didn't read the book I'll give you like a brief synopsis yeah very short book was a really classic business book and um the premise of the book is the mice every day would go into the same room. The cheese would be there. They eat their cheese. They'd be happy. And one day the cheese is no longer in the room. So for we have two teams of mice and one team keeps going back to the room. Where's my cheese? Where's my cheese? And they don't change anything. They just keep going back and it's still not there. The other mice quickly realize my cheese is not there anymore. And they go scattering like crazy through the maze to find some new cheese and I feel like that's what's happening in the world now with entrepreneurs. Like think of even the people that you and I know, like I feel like everyone froze and was in shock. And then the entrepreneurs dusted themselves off and go like, I'm finding new cheese. They're yeah. crazy to find where the new cheese is. Yeah. So what do you think the new cheese is going to be when this is all over? I'm definitely pivoting. I learned my, you know, I, I'm seeing some silver lining already that I don't want to be I don't want to be the business operator anymore. I just want to be smarter with my time. So my goal in the next few years will just be buying business, scale it, and then sell. That's just going to be, I, I just wanted to be uh, more smart about my time in the future. Right. Yeah. So, what have, so now you've had all this extra time. Like, What have you enjoyed about this extra time right now that you were so busy before that maybe now you say, hey, this may interest me or... I enjoy spending more time with my husband or kids or friends or whatever it is for you. Yeah. You know what? Now that I've been listening a lot of uh, podcasts or like a lot of learning were before coronavirus, we don't have really much time to do that. 
So I feel like I've learned a lot the last four weeks, like a whole new person because of that time. I can't read books with my ADD. I can only read one page. I cannot finish one book. God forbid. I have so many books out there. It's never been touched. So I can't. So I like that I could just listen while walking in a treadmill. You know, when I want to find myself, I've been going to the sauna almost every day now. Oh, really? Yes. I do it every night before going to bed. And, oh, I've been doing the Winhof method of breathing. Have you heard of him? The ice, him, the Iceman. Okay. Apparently there, there was an event in San Diego EO where they met the guy and I saw it in YouTube where this guy could just walking barefoot in the ice and he's fine doing his, his method. It was crazy. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to. Have you been doing that? I've been doing a lot of breathing huh? exercise with this method and I think it really helps my mental state and I feel like I'm fine. Oh good. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm actually not scared of what's going on. And I'm prepared. You know what? I think what happened was two thousand eight when two thousand eight, that was a disaster of my e commerce business and it took Can you me talk a, a while. little bit about that? Because I know the story, but for people who don't know the story because yes. That is the story of like, you were like a rocket ship and then your rocket got a little bit off course, not yeah, so, at all, but tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I have to give you a backstory. I started my business with $20 by selling stuff online. And what I've been doing is doing product arbitrage. I would call Costco looking this item number because I know that item is clearance and I would sell stuff on Amazon. And I started with $20 and within two years, I scale it to a multi-million dollar business. So I was doing so well for the last six years and then boom, it went like break, not even a warning. It was October. It was, that was the time when I was planning my wedding in the Philippines of all the time. And I was even thinking like, oh my God, do I have to continue this wedding? I, you know, I just lost my main source of revenue and that was at the time my only focus because the the other things were just secondary and were you know just a little bit of startup startup here and there and that stopped all of a sudden and I was hiding underneath the cover for four months and I was so sad I was so sad it took me a while so now coronavirus, this is just nothing to me. Why? Because at a time when I was hiding under the cover, everything still looked the same. Everyone is operating the day-to-day, everything looks. All right. Yeah. So I was, I feel like I was just doing it alone. I don't want to be mean about what's happening, but when I'm like, okay, I just lost two of my businesses. They're shut down. How am I going to do this? Zero revenue. When I look outside, everyone's quiet and no one's driving and working, right? So I think that really got me a little bit of strength of that experience from 2008. I'm actually not scared because you know what? I was able to figure it out. It's not the end of the world. As an entrepreneur, you're always going to figure out something. Right. And I'm sure we will figure out something. Something's right. going to come out. 
Oh, well, that's a good point. So going back to your Amazon business before, because I know you always make it sound like this is the part that cracks me up about you. Oh, yeah. And then I created a multi-million dollar Amazon business, right? Like anyone could do that. So that is like one of the most competitive spaces ever. And I know you're competitive, as you said, right? So how did you compete in that world that is so cutthroat on Amazon? Well, in the beginning, it wasn't like that. It was so good. I was Wendy, I was so addicted. I don't want to brush my hair because every second I'm going to lose money. (laughs) (laughs) Like every ding in my phone is a sale and I know the profit. I was so wired without, you know, I'm, I don't want to stop because who's going to give me this opportunity of making the profit with no, you know, there's no retail space that I have to pay. I was just doing it by myself in the garage and I was liking it, but Looking back, I wasn't the smartest doing that. I could have scaled it better, hiring people. Okay, so when you're a control freak, think of it, you are only as good as your arm can reach. That's what it is. And I wish I was a little bit mature of hiring a team of managing that. But either way, there's no future for that business anymore. I learned from 2008 disaster that I went through. You can't be dependent with a big giant. You need to own your own platform to do that. You need to own your, your data. You need to have your own website. It has to be yours. Like you can't rely on Facebook. You can't rely on Twitter or Instagram. That's not yours. You got to have your own website where it's yours. So you're not the whim of the these big companies. Yeah, no, I learned not to be dependent with a bigger giant. So I can't be dependent. And that's, that's why my future is I don't want to open a business when I don't own the real estate. Right. Then you're not dependent on someone else. Okay. That's an interesting take. So um, we're nearing the end here, but I had a question about all the things that you've learned now. If you were talking to the 20 year old Kate, what would you tell her? You got a chance to go back and talk to her. What's the conversation? I was, like, I was like, what the heck did you do? To your life? <laughs> <laughs> like in a good way. But I think my 20 year old is so happy that, you know, I'm just, I just won't stop. And no matter what it is, I know there's always a solution. Yeah. So, so. so you would tell her not to worry that you're going to be a big success. No, I think my 20-year-old would be happy looking at like, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Is there anything I missed that you want to add or any last words or wisdom for people? Yeah, I actually have this analogy when I was thinking this morning. So entrepreneurship is like, this is how you figure this out, right? It's like you going, doing like, um, do fishing. And I imagine this, you're in a boat, like, not even a fancy boat, like a Filipino boat, like made of wood. And so you started throwing some meat in there and you have a little fish, right? And then after a minute, you have another fish. Then you know there's a lot of fish underneath that where you are at. Then your next step is like, okay, I'm going to use a bigger net Then I'm going to get a lot of fish, like more fish, right? Then some going to be, there's going to be a current or like weather it's good or a shark eating your fish. Tidal wave, right? Your tidal waves. <laughs> then you're going to figure out finding different spots to find those fish. Well, other entrepreneurs 
they're sitting there in the same boat and getting two or three and they never change the spot. So I would tell people, if you're doing the same thing for two years and not seeing any traction, why would you do the same thing? You need to stop and find another spot for more fish. I love that. That is such a great book. Now you're going to have to write a book about, um, even though you don't, fishing. <laughs> you mean I don't read, you're going to have, to get, I love that analogy. That is like so perfect because we do, we do that with everything in life though, don't we? That we just stay in the same spot and we get mad that the fish aren't coming to us, whatever the fish is, whether it's yeah. relationships, whether it's, um, business, whether it's anything like I'm sitting here, why is the fish coming to us instead of realizing, Hey, I got to move somewhere else. I've got to change myself. Yeah, I'm very good at finding and moving around. That's, I think that's my strength of figuring that out. Yeah, your secret thing. And, and being willing to do that. I mean, that's yes. like, yeah. Right? Just to yes. say, okay, I invested time in this spot. It didn't work. That's not a waste of time. I learned now something that it didn't work. And I learned now I need to find a new spot. And here I go. Absolutely. So I don't know how many businesses we're going to own in the next few years. I would laugh. No, it's going to be interesting watching everybody because I'm already having such a fun time watching how everyone that we know has pivoted and changed. And anyways, it's super exciting. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So Miss Kate, thank you for letting me interview you. Thank I you so much. Thank no, you. I have so much fun. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And visit katehancock.com so you don't miss out on the next episode.